When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to Barca Talk. I'm your host, Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me from Madrid is your co-host and tactical analyst, Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> I'm so sad. Obviously, we're talking about the sacking, the vicious and brutal sacking of Ernesto Valverde as manager of FC Barcelona and the replacement of Kike Setien. This is all this all happened in a week where I thought, oh, it's going to be a slow news week. Nothing's going to be happening. There's no game. They're just going to go. They're going to train. They I don't know. They will feast on a plant-based meal as Messi does. <laughs> and and we'll, we will effectively have the week off. We'll come back around the end of the week to scout Granada and everything will be as ho-hum as humdrum as it has been for weeks. But no, man. The the board Abidal, Oscar Grau, they threw a monkey wrench into the my whole week <laughs> <laughs> by essentially doing almost like a midnight raid on Valverde's office. Pretty much. So how that's all I'm doing. <laughs> I mean, you said you I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I mean, I'm 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 pretty excited about this 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 situation, obviously, because as we've been talking about the Valverde situation and how we've been playing lately. And how it's been pretty brutal to watch the matches. And now, you know, I don't know if this is the right answer, but Brian, I can tell you one thing. I am excited to see the match this weekend now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's at least at least something. Correct. There's at least something something. has happened. Yeah. But again, I mean, we're going to dissect this. But again, it it was crazy, Brian, here in Spain with the news reporting, the reporters outside the hotels, the reporters outside the cars. It's, it, it, it was nuts. It was like paparazzi times four. And especially since they weren't in Saudi Arabia, you know, with the Supercopa was going on there, you know, people were obviously interested in the Madrid Derby here in Madrid. But there was so much attention, especially with, you know, the, you know, Abidal and Grau going to Qatar and basically, you know, trying to ask Javi to coach the team and all just all the melodrama that came with it in 48 hours, essentially. Yeah, well, the first thing that I heard about this was on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I got a text message from a friend of mine who said, hey, this Chavi situation is crazy. And, you know, here I am just taking my own day off <laughs> because Barcelona's not playing. I'm going to take the weekend off. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. So immediately I get onto the news sites and I start looking around and I see that they're looking to replace Valverde. And they called Chavi, which, you know, is one of those one of those <laughs> things that I've been wishing for ever since he retired, pretty much. And knowing that it would take some time. And now he's been managing in Qatar uh, for Al Saad, for his former 
the the club that he went to after Barcelona. Sure. So I'm like, yes. Um, but he said no, and I thought, you know, that is so him. <laughs> that is so tip. That is so chavy <laughs> to say, like, yes, of course, I dream of coming back and managing at Barcelona. He is a Kule. Like, I don't think there are many bigger Kules than this guy. I mean, yeah, but yeah. he he would want to do it in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And coming in mid year, he wouldn't. He didn't want to do that. Is that the artist in him? I mean, I think yeah, so. Well, know. I think it's just that. He is and has for a, a long time, and I think part of it is his family unit because I've you know I've mm-hmm. watched documentaries and mm-hmm. things with him because he's my guy. Uh, if I were to get a tattoo of any any player, it would be uh, it would be Chavi. Th- there was a point early in his career where he was presented with a potential move to Inter Milan, right? And he decided to stay at Barcelona, even though he probably would have made more money and gotten more playing time at Milan, maybe. But he chose to stay at Barcelona and look at the career that he had. I don't know that he would have had that career had he gone to Inter Milan and made that move. So he's but either way, whether he would or wouldn't have, he he made his choice based on some kind of conviction, some kind of principle, and he doesn't allow himself to get too hypnotized by the the power and the size of Barcelona, which is nice. The it, fact that he could say no, I want to in the future but not right now is I for me, I mean, obviously, I'm biased towards Xavi. He's he could walk on water, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. I think it's a, a a really good indicator of his character. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, I was thinking about this because you know, what if Barcelona doesn't come back and offer him a job? You know, I mean, yeah. you never know, right? And and when Barcelona comes knocking, you know, I would say nine times out of ten, everyone's going to take that opportunity. You know, and right. yeah, maybe he doesn't feel prepared in this, but Again, who knows with future boards or they have other coaches in mind or you never know what happens in the future. And, you know, you could always say the door is going to be open and could happen. But, you know, I was really kind of pushing for Xavi because I think he would have been a difference maker. But there's a lot of things that came along with it. That's why I think he said no. But again, I mean, we both love him and I think he would have made some sort of difference. But I think... One of the main things, Brian, that would have been really difficult would have been to clean house of the locker room when all of them are his friends, you know, and I think that was one of the biggest conflicts he had. Sure. I mean, you know, it's it's difficult for anyone. It's going to be hard for Setien to come in midseason mm-hmm. and take over a squad that's not really yours. Luckily, they're in a good position still in the league. They're about to get into the thick of the Copa del Rey and the Champions League. So Setien is set up pretty well, but no matter what, whenever you have a management shakeup like that, coming in mid-year, it's a tough job. I mean, he said as much today. You know, He was talking in the press conference today about you know, coming into the match and just trying to get his feel of the locker room because he said he's been scouting this team for a while, you know? Because he never he never thought this opportunity was going to come, but he he thought maybe a little bit, right? So when this opportunity was presented to him, he had presented you know what he thought he would do with the lineups and so forth, and the board was impressed with what he had. And again, he talked about that today in the press conference about you know you've been watching these players on film, but he needs to get to know them personally and on the field and during practice. And like you said, it's super difficult to come midseason because there's a lot of pressure right now, right? He has to, you know, show a difference of what we've been seeing with Valverde. Yeah, we need to see a different style of football mm-hmm. and results. 
you know, Valverde, the style was not to our liking, mm-hmm. not to a lot of fans' liking, and the results were inconsistent. So, and they became even more inconsistent over time. So, also bad there. But at least when he was still winning, people could point to that and say, well, the results are there. Setien has to come in, he has to change the style in a week, mm-hmm. and he has to get a result against Granada. For sure. First thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. Again, we're kind of diving into this. I don't know if you want to go forward with this or do you want to, you know, I don't know. I mean, we well, have... let me just dial it back for okay, a second. Okay, okay, okay. Back to Chavi, okay. right? This, the difficulty of coming in midseason is true for any new manager. And if you're Chavi who has to walk into a locker room where at least some portion of the squad are guys who you have played with and played with for many years, Busquets, PK, Messi, uh, are the only three that come to mind right now, and those might be the only three left. But still, that's gonna that makes it even harder. I would just bring it back to that for a second. Yeah, and and that's the thing. That's the thing he was talking. I mean, because like, what's he gonna do to PK, for example, if he has to demand from him a bit more? It's kind of that weird relationship because you know they're friends. They've been teammates for such a long time. And it's really hard to have that line of all of a sudden now you're the coach, you know, where you're making decisions. And it's a really fine line to dance around. But, I mean, I mean, there's so many details about what has happened in this past weekend. I mean, I know, you know, we have our our whole streamlined document. I don't know if you want to really touch <laughs> about Luis Suarez first and then we go all the way in, into the coaching thing. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, let's yeah, let's briefly touch on the Suarez thing, because you mentioned how there was a Super Cup of final happening on Sunday <laughs> and yet Barcelona somehow managed to dominate the news cycle that's how Part we do of, that's how began, we do <laughs> yeah you gotta hand it to the media crew over at Barca they you know they can win but so really the first thing that I heard from you over the weekend was Suarez is going to be out for four months yeah he's going in for he went in for surgery and now he's going to be out and you know so let's talk about that and then we'll come back around to the whole manager um, sure shakeup yeah so you know we got the message that you know last week he was going in for surgery and the you know everyone that was here in spain and what i was watching said four weeks you know and to me that you know after i got the communication on the fcb app it you know alerted it's like four months and i did a triple take i was like wait what i thought four (laughs) weeks you know and you know there's two things i think what happened with this i think obviously his knee was a lot worse than they anticipated and or they were just kind of planning this and they knew all along because, again, his main goal right now is for Copa America. And that's really what it's all about. And so, again, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, he had they said they were going in for a meniscus procedure. And the meniscus is one of the parts of our bodies that doesn't grow. You know, once we have it, that's it. And I kind of made fun of the tweet a little bit, and I said maybe we should start 3D printing meniscus, meniscus you know, because that's <laughs> the yeah meniscus because that's the new future of bioengineering and so forth. And Suarez could be the first one to try it, but yeah, it's unfortunate because you know he has been scoring goals for us, and you know we've been debating of whether he should be coming off the bench or not. But we're gonna miss that goal production. But you know. One door closes, another one opens. That leads Griezmann to play the point man. So my dream of this is going to be coming to fruition, obviously with Kiki Setien coming in as well. So, you know, I ask you, Brian, the question, you know, has Suarez played his last match at Barcelona? Well, let me get back to that in just one second because I just want to – I'm very proud of this because when you messaged me and said Suarez is going to be out for four months – 
I immediately thought, this is just another perverted fulfillment of one of your wishes. Because we've seen this in the past where like we've expressed some some hope or desire or wish mm-hmm. for something to happen differently with the lineup or the players, the club, something like that. And it gets fulfilled, but not the way that we would have liked. You know, it's like when you, whenever you ask the genie for something, they give it to you in in the most kind of bizarre and unfortunate way possible. So just like you've been calling for months for Griezmann to be the point man, to be more the starter, Suarez to be coming off the bench. Well, we got the Griezmann part, Mm -hmm. but now Suarez is just laid up in a hospital bed, essentially. (laughs) Like bedazzled, right? Right? (laughs) Yes, just like bedazzled. So there was that. And I think that there is a very good chance that Suarez has already played his last game for FC Barcelona. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, coming back from this injury and also just where he's at his age and so forth, they could easily just ship him out after this. And especially if, let's say, Kiki Setien wants a younger movement and goes with B players or he just wants more activity and he can convince the board of that. I mean, it's a, it's a high possibility that we've seen Suarez in a, the last time in a Barca jersey. Right, because if he comes back and plays mm-hmm. what is the what is the long term there i mean his contract is up at the end of next season mm-hmm. but that doesn't really mean anything the the club can sever his contract at any point they want and with this surgery situation i i, I mean who knows what he's going to look like when he get, comes back from injury that's one thing but also he's obviously older he's done a lot for us and it's a shame that you know potentially his last match for the club was a 3-2 loss in Saudi Arabia to Atletico Madrid but that very well may be the case I mean I you know I have this funny feeling that it, it, we've seen him for the last time at Barca I just it's just like a, a hunch of feeling you know yeah. and you know more importantly you know like you said I mean with one year left does he just ride the bench you know or maybe get limited time or get shipped out like you said it's very easy with one year to just sever that and move on from that, you know, and again, we're going to see what happens, you know, how he comes back from this injury, especially this summer in the Copa America. But so let's dive in even more okay, in, into the depths <laughs> the abyss. of this management <laughs> shakeup. Uh, we covered the fact that Valverde was sacked. We covered the fact that Chabi was a candidate to take over, but that he turned it down. Other names were thrown around before the club arrived at signing Kike Setien, uh, Ronald Koeman, former Barcelona player, current uh, Dutch manager, manager of the Dutch national team. He's preparing them for Euro 2020. He had already said earlier this season that he would be open to coming to Barcelona, but that he wanted to make sure to at least manage the Dutch side through Euro 2020. But he was another candidate still in this uh, recent shakeup news. Yeah, just one quick thing about the Xavi thing. Um, it was reported last night in one of the Barcelona reporters last night that Messi personally called Javi and, quote, come save us. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See, I thought you were going to say, and he begged him not okay. to come. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. He said, come save us. And Javi's like, I love you, but not now. Yeah. <laughs> right? Basically. Sorry, bro. Yeah. So that came out last night, and I was watching the, the sports show last night. I was like, whoa, that's crazy because – 
you know, if Messi's making these calls like this to reach out, you know, it's really important. And you can see the severity of, you know, this coaching madness that happened. But again, going to Kuman, I think this would have been a terrible uh, connection with this because I don't think he's a good manager for a club. I think he's better suited for a country, just like Luis Enrique, where, you know, the style fits him better at a, at a you know, a national team level where he doesn't have to do the day in and day out because when he was at Everton, he was not good. I mean, you ask the Everton fans, they were not happy with it. And again, yes, he has, you know, Barcelona royalty because he scored the Champions League goal. But, you know, is he really a good coach? I don't think so. I think he's, like I said, better suited at, at the Nationals. And the other person, too, is Garcia Pimenta. So, again, uh, I think that would have been a good transition as a, another plan just to carry out for the six months and then start anew with a new coaching search and a new, you know, solid plan. But again, they went with Kike Setien and, you know, honestly, I'm pretty happy about it because I know he hasn't, he's not a proven winner, you know, of trophies and so forth. But I just know one thing, Brian, it's all about the goals. Yeah. And I'm he on likes board. goals. And I'm on board. Yeah. And I'm on board, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're probably expecting score lines like 4-3, 3-2. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll be on the winning side of those. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, as as Barca fans, right, and me, you know, selfishly, I just love watching attacking football. That's why I gravitated towards Barcelona back in the day. That's why I love this team. It's not, you know, I just don't want to win matches one nothing. If I did, I would be a Serie A fan, you know? Right. Yeah, I, and, like, I don't have anything against people who like highly defensive sure. football. Like, it's nothing personal. I just don't understand them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like want to be your friend. Thing, great, cool. <laughs> I just don't get you. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, as we talked about in the last years with Valverde, I mean, yes, we were getting results. We won La Liga. And the question is not, you know, did he get the results? It's not that. But, you know, as a Barca fan and as a fan of this, this club, it's not only about the wins. The wins is what we want always, right? But the other thing, too, we want to win beautifully. We want to see beautiful style. We want to see passing. We want to see these goals. And especially when we have the best player that ever played, I don't want to waste any more years of him not being as effective and him carrying the team to disappointing finishes in Champions League. And I'm not saying that Kiki Setien is going to win the Champions League or La Liga and all this stuff. However, I just know it's going to be aesthetically way more pleasing. We're going to have a varied tactical formation, which is going to be amazing. And more importantly, he's going to utilize youth players. And to me, Brian, you know, when I when I started texting you today, the first picture I saw on Twitter was him with his arm around Ricky Puig. And I had heart palpitations because that, <laughs> for me, was just like with that one move that he did right there. I was on board. I was I was like on board right there. Yeah, I was just yeah. on board right there. I was like, <laughs> I love you, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, he's he has already promoted youth, including Ricky Pooj, but not just him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, he brought in uh, the center back. Uh, what's his name? Aruj. I can't. Yeah, Arau. Yeah, Arau. And more importantly, you know, I was just listening to another podcast too. You know, as Kiki Setien loves a three back system. One of the the possible formations could be PK Busquets Umtiti, mm. and Busquets kind of playing like in front. And I and I was listening to that. I was like, wow, this is going to help Busquets. Like you <laughs> you think about these formations that are going to happen now because they're not going to be as much space as there was before in a four three three. I mean, I hope I really hope we're not sinking into the four three three again. 
But man, this could really potentially turn Busquets and just help prolong his career to be as effective as he's been before. Yeah, yeah. But uh, what other? Who else are we looking at in terms of youth? Because you mentioned a few a few more names to me earlier today. Yeah, it was Fati and Perez, right? So right. they're going to get so more. So they're players. officially first team players. Yeah, right? so they're going to they're going to be training more right now. So that's the biggest step forward, right? They're going to be able to train with the first team daily, and so that's going to be huge. And and also in the press conference, Kike Setien said he has no problem promoting youth and putting pressure on star players again. Ooh. And it's just like, dude, is this guy serious? I love it, you know? Yeah, he's like playing your favorite violin Correct. right he's there. He's playing all my hits, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kike Setien is right now your favorite DJ. Correct. And again, <laughs> I don't know, you know, I'm we're trying to extrapolate. I'm trying to make the best of this situation. And there's just three things I, I can just hold on to, right? His attacking style, that he's going to use youth, and it's going to be a very tactical formation. From then, I don't know. I, we may get knocked out in Champions League and so forth, but I know one thing: it's going to be entertaining as hell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which we haven't had for for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. At least since uh, Valverde came in. Yeah, and the, I mean, there's a couple other things too. I mean, he loves Cruyff, Brian. I mean, he's been quoted uh, throughout time here in, in Spanish football. You know th- that his love affair with Cruyff. He has a quote that said, you know, he thought he knew football and then he saw Cruyff's football and he said, wow, I can't believe there's something on another level. So, again, that's another thing that we can hold on to. And, you know, he's a former player. He's a former star player for Racing um, Santander. And, again, these are like little things that give you a little bit more confidence in him as a coach. And also the players might give him a little more respect. You know, I always think back at uh, the old Real Madrid manager. What's his name? Uh Oh my God! The guy that got sacked mid-season a couple of years ago, uh, who used to be the coach of oh, Liverpool, Ben Benitez. Benitez, Benitez. Rafa. And, yeah, yeah. And I remember the one thing he was trying to give Ronaldo some advice on free kicks, and then they started calling him number ten because he never played, right? And you don't want that to happen, right? And right. you know, Kike Setien, I think is just you know more personality, which is going to be great, you know, for our point of view. He's more emotional, and you know. Again, people are questioning about the decision and so forth, but I'm just glad they made this this decision now because I would have, you know, it would have pained me, Brian, to see another couple weeks of just beige football again. Yeah. Yeah. And also from from the perspective of the board, because anyone knows, like we mentioned, if you come in midseason, you have a very difficult task ahead of you, no matter how well you're you're set up and no matter how good the squad might be. It's just one of those things you're coming in midstream is difficult. So there's actually a little bit of cover for the board there because if it doesn't work out, we don't win any trophies, they can point to the fact that like, well, we tried something, we made a move, it was a bold move, and you know, but those things are difficult and it didn't work out. So, you know, you can't blame us for the results. We at least tried something. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if anything it gives Kike Setien some extra time as well, you know, because he's coming mid-season. Again, it can go both ways. I think the players are going to respond because of this new attacking run and gun style that they're going to have, you know? And I think, you know, if they score one, he's going to say, go after another one and go after another one and go after another one. And if you're a forward, Brian, I mean, that is music to your ears. You know, you're like, yes, like Griezmann, you know, when he heard this news and, and unfortunately with the Suarez injury, with the connection of those two, he must've been, Oh my God, 
I'm going to score 30. This, you know, <laughs> there's, there's a possibility I could score 30, man. I got to come up with. He popped some champagne. When yeah, I'm going to come. bits of news. Exactly. He's like, I need to come up with new dances, you know, and all these things, you know. <laughs> but more importantly, you know, we're going to, you know, I just, I just, I'm okay with a 4-3 victory, a 3-2 victory, you know, because Barcelona, that's not on our DNAs to play ironclad defense. You know, I want to see these goals, put the pressure on the other teams. It's going to be high risk and high reward, but I'm all in with this. Yeah, yeah. Now, one question that I had was, was it really the 3-2 loss in the Super Cup that was the the straw that broke the camel's back? I mean, I just can't believe that. I, I have to assume, so this is just a feeling, mm-hmm. but I have to assume that certain members of the board or the uh, sporting directors have had this move in mind for this point in the season for some time now. Ooh, that's a good point. I like that. Maybe they they were looking because in the press conference today, Brian Bartomeu said that he has been talking to different coaches for the past months. Mm, so plural. exactly past months, yeah. And then he kind of went. I mean, past weeks. <laughs> oh, did, did he really? Yes, he did. He did. Oh, come on. So your point could be super valid because maybe they said, okay, we're going to give it to that point where it's kind of the point of no return, right? Whereas if we don't see improvement and we see that there's a lack of dynamism in the team and all this, we see the malaise, then we have to pull the trigger there because we can still save La Liga and Champions League campaigns and Copa del Rey, all three, right? right. But if we continue with Valverde after this point, there's a high possibility that we don't get any of those. So there, I think that's a really good point, Brian. Really good job, yeah. buddy. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, I don't think that it was the Super Cup result that really did it. I think it was really just how the league has gone so far this season. And then the Super Cup match was probably like the, the clear trigger. That said, like, yeah, the, we need to do this now. We've been talking about it. We've been talking to managers. We need to pull the trigger now. So it, it's I don't but I don't think that they thought everything was fine. And then this loss in the Super Cup happened. And then they were suddenly uh, scrambling to say, oh, let's replace him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the that's the only thing that I, I hate about this whole situation is, you know, obviously how they they treated Valverde with this way, you know. It's, you know, if you're going to make a decision, be a man about the decision. You know, don't try to hide behind political, you know, the sporting director, this guy and this guy and try to be friends with everyone. You know, if you are going to make this, you know, sports is cutthroat, you know, and unfortunately you cannot be friends with everyone. Feelings do get hurt. But the thing is, you just have to treat it as best as you can as a business. You say, I'm going to make this decision. Tell Valverde you're doing the decision and then pull the plug. Don't try to mimic and try to go behind other doors and don't go to Cutter and say, oh, we're just visiting Javi. We're bringing him a basket of food, you know, like (laughs) be honest and upfront with him and transparent and pull the plug because be more respectful with that way than just dangling all these coaches while Valverde is trying to have training sessions. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes this club, at least lately, since I've been following them, Sometimes they just really are not honorable and they do not behave in an honorable way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Maybe they have their reasons. I don't know. But let's get into some questions and comments from our listeners. Uh, We've received a lot of them. Uh, Let's start with this one that came from our Patreon member, Timu, 
who said, how do you see us going forward to next summer? And what happens if this isn't going to work? Our incompetent board of directors really outdid themselves this time. They're even worse than we thought. <laughs> this, this situation can't get any worse, or am I just too hopeful? <laughs> Please, anyone, I need counseling. Cheers from Finland. Oh, yeah. Finland. Nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, again, I I really think this is the boost we need just because of personality and style of play. I think it's really going to have the players fired up to play this. So I think we're going to see definitely an increase in performance. But again, Brian, um, yeah, this this whole debacle, the Neymar debacle, you know, this past summer debacle, we've seen how incompetent the board is. Uh, it looks like more and more that they're going to be not renewed after 2021. So that's a good thing. But again, I I have faith that it's going to, we that we made the decision soon enough to make a difference to be more competitive in, the, in these three competitions. Yeah, and to Timu's point, and to your point, the board is clearly not good and incompetent. They're not good at many things. They're incompetent at many things. The only thing they've been really good at is bringing in revenue, and so they've always been able to point to that as their major success. But with sports, the whole thing is, it, it's a money-making thing, but it's also a PR thing, always, always, always. You have to try and keep the public on your side, and... Yeah, come next elections next year, I don't think the public, I don't think the membership is going to be on their side anymore, despite the revenue that they've managed to bring in. So thank you for that, Timu. Next up, this comes from another Patreon member, Ryan, about Valverde. He says, I liked his 4-4-2 doing his first year, which helped Barca win the domestic double. What do you think about his 4-4-2 formation, and why did he stop using it, even though it was very effective? That is something we have been pondering over for two seasons to yeah. one and a half seasons now i mean yeah it worked because he had the personnel to do it especially with paulinho and it was really effective especially in the classico i mean you remember the classico he pulled that out and we won three nothing we had a great showing you know again at that point we were excited because he was showing tactical diversity but then all of a sudden he just never changed and i don't know why he didn't go back because this season, I think the 4-4-2 would have really helped us. It would have crowded our midfield a little bit more. You know, you put Messi in that fourth midfielder, and then all of a sudden we have more options, and then you have Griezmann and, and Suarez working in tandem. But, yeah, uh, you know, I don't understand why he didn't stop. And I think this is one of the things of his downfall of Valverde, why he got fired, you know, because he was happy getting enough points playing one style, and he was very happy to wait win eight of ten games, especially, you know, throughout La Liga. But when it came to champions and tactical decisions – he just he didn't he rode his team and his philosophy to the detriment of you know of that he got fired <laughs> yeah and I, to be fair or what i think is fair we all assume and we all sort of know that managing barca is an incredibly high pressure job and we've also talked about the fact that you know he's making 20 million a year and <laughs> You know, he shouldn't be complaining, but it is a very, very high pressure job and no amount of money can really change that. And I do get the sense that he kind of buckled probably a long time ago to yeah, <laughs> yeah. that pressure and he was happy to just come in, you know, do his work, punch the clock, collect his pay and try not to do too badly. I mean, the joke today on the Spanish uh, sports show today was all the managers coming into Barca, physically how they looked. <laughs> and how they physically looked when they left and it's funny it's like they all come in with black and normal hair and they come out with white hair and wrinkles you know because of all the stress and i saw on a couple of people on twitter i was like well the good thing is kike setian's already got white hair 
Yeah, <laughs> there is that. But yeah, just managing Barca can do to a man in three years what mm. the U.S. presidency takes eight years to do. To <laughs> I mean, it's really high pressure. For sure. But thanks for that, Ryan. Uh, next up, from another Patreon member, Emily. I like this. Why Setien? What What do you expect to be his first decisions to be based on his previous managing style? Does he have any experience with any of the players or with Barca? Do you think he's coming in as an interim manager or as a longer-term manager? What is something he might keep from Valverde's managerial style? I mean, just to start Ooh. with the end, I don't think he's going to keep much of anything from Valverde's yeah. style. Yeah, I think he's cleaning house with all that. And, you know, the why Setien question, you know, again... I think he was the best of the worst, essentially, you know, I mean, really, I mean, well, he it, clearly wasn't their first choice. Yeah. And that's the thing. And it's funny because, you know, it's the way the board didn't plan this is is completely obvious, you know, because they should have just had the manager in waiting, sack Valverde manager in, you know, and so Clean. they kind of. Yeah. So they had to shop around. So that's why with the set in the first decisions is going to be who is the midfield, because that's really important. I mean, especially if he goes to a three back system. Is he going six in the mid, five in the mid? What's he going to do? Who he's going to choose? And again, Brian, is Elenia just kicking himself right now or what? I mean, this is yeah. one of the things. I mean, seriously, he would have been perfect in this system for us because then we would have. I mean, can you imagine? Just I'm just going to throw this out to you, Brian. Just uh, dream a little bit here. Mm. Dejong, Artur, Ricky Puig, Elenia, and Rakitic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, with Messi and and Griezmann at top. I mean, all of a sudden you have, woof, you know, you have diamonds all over. You have, you know, all this movement and going through. So what experience does he have with uh, players in Barca? Well, we talked about it. He loves Cruyff. He knows this system. He loves the three back system. I'm hoping that he does apply to it uh, to a point here, especially during La Liga matches. But also he's going to use the youth. And that's really key. And that I think that really sold the Barca board as well. But also and, he doesn't have any previous real connection. No, with no, the no. Club. So he's, no. he's definitely a, an outsider, Correct. which is not always bad, but historically lately we've seen that uh, people who did have, uh, who played for the club when they were players tended to, to do well. Um, but that's really just with, I mean, we go back to Cruyff for that, but then in more recent history, we've got Guardiola and Luis Enrique, but you know that doesn't have to be the case. Sure, sure. And the other one, the interim manager. I mean, he has a contract till twenty twenty two with an out clause of twenty twenty one with the new board if it gets elected. So, I mean, he has a basically a two year contract. So it's not really interim. I mean, he's going to be at least for a year. I mean, he'll have some time unless he completely bombs in the first six months. Right. <laughs> Which right. I don't. See, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. Yeah. Although I, I once again, I'll, I'll put my hat in for Chavi again. I. Whenever he wants to come, I'm I'm ready for him. I'm happy to have him. But, okay. you know, I have no decision-making power in this. Next up, from another Patreon member, TJ, he says, what is your confidence level in a percentage? He, spe- he specified that. Yeah. In the team winning each of the three competitions remaining, how does it differ from your confidence level for each if EV was still in charge? Well, I mean, my confidence in any of these competitions with EV in charge was this season was nothing. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would say at at most ten percent. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know, if we got a good draw and we got a good luck lucky streak or something like this. I mean, I didn't think Valverde was going to lead us anywhere because I think you know, especially in La Liga, I think we were going to falter to Real Madrid. I mean, the way Real Madrid has been playing lately. But again, percentage wise, 
oof, now I would say 40%. Yeah. You know, without even seeing the team play, I would say 40%. Just because I know now we're going to have more freedom to attack and play high risk, high reward style, which I think suits us better. And I think will really invigorate the players. So I think 40% is probably my across all three competitions right now. Yeah, because they each present their own challenges. I mean, uh, I don't know Setien's record as far as knockout competitions, but that could and that because that's always been the failing with Valverde, right? He's managed pretty well in La Liga, but that's a very different animal from the knockout competitions of Copa del Rey and Champions League, especially. And you know, last year didn't win the Copa del Rey. Year before that did, so that was nice. But, yeah, well, I don't know what Setien's track record is with the knockout format and how he's going to manage that. So that could create problems not only with Champions League, but even with Copa del Rey. I'm a little more confident with La Liga. But, again, that's still... So maybe I'm at, like, 45, okay. 50 for okay. La Liga. And maybe at, like, 40 for Champions and Copa del Rey. All right, moving on. This came from Will. He says, do you guys see a formation change? Yes. Also, given Setien's history, like getting the youth to play, do we focus on that more over bringing in someone before the transfer deadline? And I think we've we've actually mostly talked about a lot of these things already. I just have two things to add. Yeah. Can we void the Todibo transfer? I know. <laughs> Is that possible? Because he would be amazing in this three-back system. Amazing. Yeah. He would be amazing in this three-back system. And I have another one for you. I think Jordi Alba gets outplayed by Junior Furpo in the system. I think you might be right. Because if the reason we got him was because he played at Betis last year under Zetian. And he yeah. had a banner year. And so now with this wing-back system, I think Furpo might be – Especially right now at his age and his youth, I think he might be a better system. So we may see we may be seeing less of Jordi Alba or maybe just, you know, conserving him in a different way. Yeah, and all of a sudden, he's clearly not what he used to be. Yeah, exactly. And so that may, you know, help him in the big games. But again, I think, you know, yes, I think we will see a formation change. And the formation with these wing back, three back system, again, it's a really high risk, but I think it suits us. And it's going to get the team invigorated, like I said. I mean, just having youth and using the bench, you just you you got everyone on board. Yeah. Uh, now, this one came from Steve. This came to me through Instagram. He says, uh, I see Messi, Suarez, Fatih, Roberto, etc. saying nice things about EV on their social media. Is this a typical nice thing they do when a manager leaves, or is this some sort of signal that they are unhappy with the decision? And I think your report about Messi messaging Chabi to come save us is a clear indication that uh, no one is that upset about a Valverde leaving. It is uh, customary for the players to bid their manager, uh, you know, best wishes and thanks for everything. You know, thanks for all the fish. Um, I, I have a couple of things with this one. I mean, it's funny because maybe they are sad to see their vacation go. Right. right? Because of the, you know, country club atmosphere they've had the last two years, you know, that they've been running the club essentially. I think maybe that might be one thing. The other thing too is, the opposite of this were the players liking the Instagram and social media uh, post of Valverde getting fired, which was Ricky Puig and Alenia and <laughs> Artur. So, again, those players are excited because they know they're going to get new opportunities, you know. But, again, this is something that usual, you know, especially if they have respect for the, the, the manager, they'll do something like this. But, again, it wasn't the most overflowing type of messages like when Pep left, for example. Right, right, and again, I don't think I don't think anyone is particularly heartbroken that 
Valverde's leaving, um, but it was nice of them to, you know, make the gesture. And that is fairly common for them to do, unless... Because it's not like it was particularly uh, contentious and tense between Valverde and a lot of the players. Uh, you know, for the ones who were getting the playing time with no competition, they probably preferred it. But So maybe they're the ones who are a little more sad to see him go, but probably not terribly, because they see the kind of results that they're getting and the style of football that they're playing. And I think they all want to win and play beautiful football. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this one came from Adam. He says, which players will have the easiest and most difficult time fitting in with the new manager? I think first one that comes to mind, you just mentioned him, Junior Firpo. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be an uptake in him and we're going to see a better performance. I would say the, you know, the opposite of that, maybe PK, because maybe he's going to be demanded more, especially in a three back system. He's going to be, have to be more disciplined. Maybe long leg gets better. Um, you know, I always think about the defense because, in a midfield, when you have this different uh, formation and so forth, it's much easier because there's going to be more midfielders for you to pass to. <laughs> right. so it just becomes easier to, to find those guys. Look for the guy in the blue and red shirt. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to doing the 20-yard balls we were doing before. So I think you know for our midfield, it's going to be an easier transition. Uh, again, I think our wing backs are going to benefit. Maybe Samedo gets an uptake. You know, Maybe we get to use his athleticism a bit more to run up and down that board. Maybe Roberto maybe a struggle a little bit because maybe he doesn't have the speed that Tomato does. So those are some possibilities. And so far, uh, I've had my eye on three players this season who were not getting very many minutes under Valverde. There was Alenia, Todibo, and Wage. So now at this point, Alenia has gone to Real Betis. Todibo has gone to Schalke. Wage apparently has some, some eyes on him from other clubs. But he's still with FC Barcelona. So will he get more time under Setien? Oh, my God. I think he probably will. I think he probably will, too. And now all of a sudden, think about if you have a better version of Firpo and Wage on on the wing backs. Woo, baby. That all of a sudden is youth and speed. I mean, again, we're, we're, we're projecting their best performances, obviously, right? So this is how we have to look at it. But again, this is the things that get you excited because... Now with this new formation, these new ideas, now you're starting to see that more players are going to be able to be utilized. Yeah, and we have a few more. Uh, One, this one is actually something that we have already managed to touch on independently, but this came from Bob's. He says, do you think Barca will change to a three-defender style? What's your take and any thoughts on Todibo? Hmm. I mean, I kind of hope we go to a three-back system just to change it up, you know, because... I think with the wingback system, and I think it just suits our team better, what we have on the roster. But, man, t- again, Brian, Todibo in the system would wreak serious havoc, man, just because of the freedom he would be able to play in that middle. He would alleviate so much pressure for the other two backs because he would just cover so much ground. Man, I really hope that they do. I hope. I really hope Setien just says, hey, 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 wait, hold on, hold on. This guy's <laughs> on the, the team? Papers yet? Yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> sign the papers. Don't sign the paper, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I really hope he steps in and, and voids this transfer because right now he's only he's – in, he's in Germany, but he hasn't signed anything officially. He's doing the visits, but uh, he uh-huh. hasn't signed – I mean, I hope they – he's like, hey, Todibo, eh, merci beaucoup. Eh, come back uh, to uh, Varsa. We need you. We need you, buddy. <laughs> I think if he made that call, I think Todibo would would come back. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So thanks for that, Bob's. And from Francis, Francis Tony AUS, will Xavi be happy with the two and a half year contract? Will this impact 
the election. Yeah, so this was before. This was from, you know, right in the gray area when we we're still waiting for the final decision. Yeah. And the idea was also, you know, one of the reasons I think Xavi didn't take the position was because of the shortened contract. It was reported that they were offering him a two and a half year, just like they did with Kiki Setien, that basically the same contract. And so there was a lot of debate out there about, you know, maybe that was one of the reasons added. That's why he didn't take it, because maybe oh. with a new board that respects him more with his maybe with more experience that he'll get a four. I mean, usually you give a three or four year contract, but two and a half is not enough to really build a program and do anything. Right. Although I always think back to Guardiola every year. It was a one year contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that yeah. was his choice. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, he's a, you know, a different he's guy. A mad genius. Yeah. He's a different guy. Yeah. A different kind of guy. <laughs> so that makes sense that, you know. Maybe he would have wanted a, a longer contract, but it's a moot point now, and maybe we'll see him in a year and a half, or half a year, or two and a half years, and yeah. we'll we'll see how he feels about it then. Yeah. Finally, this came from Pranit. Pranit says, "What kind of play style should Barca fans expect to see on the pitch, and how does it compare to Valverde ball?" Well, there will be more ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. We're going to see less walking too. I yeah. mean, this is the thing. We it doesn't matter what system he puts three back four back whatever the biggest thing that's going to happen is he's going to play a higher line so there's going to be a higher risk we're going to compress that field but more importantly he's going to let Messi run free okay I've heard today also that he's going to let Messi just be the amoeba that he's always wanted to be but he's going mm. to play in the center of the park mm. and that's huge knowing that. Kike Setien has mentioned that today in the press conference, and I've heard reports about it as well, that he's going to let Messi roam and have balance for him up front is going to be huge now because now we're going to have right and left wingers to support. And now Messi's genius can truly be on the canvas. You know, He's going yeah. to be able to go left and right and pass and shoot, and now teams are not going to be able to mark him with a man. You know, something that I've noticed this season is because I've, I've, I've heard you. I have listened to you and I have heard you. <laughs> that, to me, you know, yeah, that Messi always essentially, partially because he's starting to, I feel like he's starting to favor his dominant left foot more than maybe three, four, or five years ago or mm -hmm. even before that. But in the last couple of years, he's starting to favor his left foot more and that's making him want to go from the, wherever he is to the left more. But just now it's occurred to me, maybe he hasn't gone to the right because there hasn't been anyone there for him. I mean, yeah, we've had fullbacks maybe making those runs, but that's not the same as a winger. Yeah. So yeah. are we going to see Messi going to the right, going to the left, going down the center, if he has that balance from wingers on both sides? I mean, you know, when you have a crowded midfield of more than four, four, five, six, whatever you decide, okay, and then you have Messi in the middle doing what he does, the midfielders are going to be able to do through runs, more likely and now that's going to create even more havoc for the defense because they don't it's not a very typical system uh, that they're familiar of seeing you know and that's another wrinkle that's going to happen with that now Messi's going to have options on the right more importantly Brian he's just going to be able to play make more you know more than what he's already had and that's crazy because he's been playing making like a mofo <laughs> <laughs> you know and and that's the thing is it's he's been limited because of the style and the formation in the 4-3-3. And now if you play five midfielders and he's one of them in the middle with, with more attacking range as the number 10, all of a sudden he's going to utilize the right. And that is just – I mean think about if you're playing defense against Barcelona now if they're playing a three-back system. All of a sudden you're like, wait, what? <laughs> I mean we've been playing 4-3-3 this whole time. The whole league is going to have to take a long time to adjust to this new wrinkle if they go to a three-back system. 
Yeah. All right. So that does it for all of those uh, questions and comments that we got. Thanks to everyone for putting those in. Uh, this is definitely one of those times when uh, everyone suddenly perks up and they're paying <laughs> a lot more attention to what's going on. Uh, and that includes us now. So with all of this news and all of this being said, we have ahead of us Granada this weekend, one of the teams to which we have lost this season. Now, granted, that was away. That was with Valverde. That was match day five, I, th- I think. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting out the uh, the second leg of La Liga in earnest. Really going to kick off. New manager, youth coming up through the ranks. What do you foresee happening this weekend? I mean, the first major thing is that Suarez is not going to be there. Therefore, Griezmann is going to be the top. And to me, you know, like we talked about, it's my wish, you know, and I think it's really going to really pay off because he's going to be the point man. He's going to be able to play through the middle with Messi and it's just going to create more havoc for other defenses. I think that's going to be a huge wrinkle right now. I I don't know what midfield he's going to use. I mean, that's really what we're going to have to wait for the first game. I mean, it's one of those things that I really feel that if Kiki Zidane really has full autonomy, that we may see something like a 4-4-2 or a three-back system. I really hope we just see a three-back system right off the bat because that, to me, is going to tell me he's got full control. He's telling, you know, he's really uh, managing the team, and it, it's full goals ahead, you know? And right, high he's not risk, some high puppet manager. Exactly. Whose strings w- are being pulled by Abidal or someone else. He's exactly. really in charge. Exactly. I will, I'm with Brian. If they come out with a 4-3-3, I'm going to be – freaking livid i mean livid because if i see the 433 with this team again i don't care what you do like you can't motivate them more you know that's not going to make them better it's all about changing the system and i think that to me that's really the thing that's going to tell us which way we're going right they come in a 433 system brian it's not it's not going to be good i mean that's a really bad sign but if they come out in some different formation or there's a two surprising lineup changes or something like that. I think that's really going to, you know, get everyone looking and excited for this game. Yeah. Now let me pose a scenario for you because Mm -hmm. as I mentioned, Granada, we lost to them already and they were just newly promoted from second division this year. They're doing very well. They're in 10th place in the league. Uh, So for a newly promoted team, they're, they're doing great, but let's say we get these signals that Setien's really in charge. We get a three-back system. We get a high line. We get a lot of really attacking football. If we still lose this match, are you still going to be are you going to be okay? Yes. Yes. I will okay. be okay. I'll be okay because at least we're doing different things, you know? And I know see this is part of the problem of not of taking a team mid-season. You know, even though you're going to have this full week of training and so forth, I mean, the Barca players are smart, you know, so they can adapt to do new tactical systems. But again, this is what we've been talking about. You know, if you would have had the preseason, I guarantee we would have gotten more points off the first half of the season. But Brian, you brought up a good point. If we lose, but we play a high risk and we see something different and three back, I'm okay with it because I know that change is imminent and that, you know, it's going to take some time, but I will be okay with it, Brian. What about you? I would be okay with it too. I mean, I... It could spell trouble, particularly with the La Liga race, because it is still so tight. We're still dead even with mm-hmm. Real Madrid. So, you know, it's going to create problems. And theoretically, on paper, we should get three points from a game against Granada. And if you sacrifice those three points, then that creates you know more problems moving forward. But in principle, I would be equally okay with it. Yeah, I mean, I, the good thing is that we're playing at home, right? I mean, we're going to have... 
the home support. People are going to be excited to show the, to see this new style and to really, you know, be behind the team going forward. So I think that's really going to help. If we were playing at Granada, it would have been a really sticky situation, Brian, because then all of a sudden, you know, new system away on the road. That's that's really difficult. But again, we have to do this right now. We have to change the formation. And more importantly, we just have to just see a new spirit about the team. I mean, that's really going to be important, you know, as I'm a body language expert, Brian, you know, I need to see the hustle. I need right. to see the tenacity. I need us to see us to get the ball back. I want to see us get six goals, not just five. You know, that's those are the things I want to see. Five's you not know? enough. Has to be five. Six. No, but I mean, you know, having that attitude of trying to get more, you know, right. always trying to get more. Right. Never never scoring a goal and then right after the next kickoff just walking around exactly no matter what yeah it's so much easier playing defense when you're trying to score a ball yeah (laughs) (laughs) and as far as the scheduling you know we've talked a lot about uh kickoff times and how that affects things this is sunday night 9 p.m so it's at the end of the whole fixture it's a night game it's It's partidazo it's partidazo so that for us means Party time. <laughs> that was you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that. <laughs> Partidazo, nine o'clock dinner time. You know, here in Spain, and you know, it's it has everything. Those external factors working for us. You know, we're playing at home. We have a really good home record this season. Again, I'm I'm really excited about this match, Brian, because I can't remember the last time I was excited to watch a Barca game in a while from this season. You know, as we talked about before we record, we just kind of. Talk, you know, we're like, man, these games are brutal, man. And we we talked about it too. It's like I want to watch it at one point five speed, you know, yeah. so that they actually look like they're running, you know. Yeah. And so we're gonna see if this is the kick in the pants they really needed. I mean, again, Brian, I, I, man, I just, I really hope it's a three back system. I just want to see such a a drastic change in this that I'm all in, you know. Yeah. Man, yeah. Thinking back, you know, even the last Clasico, the you know, in yeah. the in. In December, December, just before the break. Even then, we were not excited about it. Yeah. And that was a classico. I I know. I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, Valverde was a very pragmatic coach. He did, you know, want us to league titles. He did this and that. But, I mean, we're always going to remember the things of the collapses that he did, you know, the style of play that he implemented and the lack of enthusiasm and passion that he gave to our attacking style. I mean, he pretty much deaded it. And I just want to see... I just want to see these players alive again, playing with that energy that they've been lacking. And I think Setien's going to see that. If they're not doing that, he's going to replace those players with younger players. Well, we will see on Sunday, and we'll be back with another episode to talk about what happened on Monday. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, produced by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Until next time, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.